Well, this morning, uh, before we dive back into the word, uh, Pastor Dave this morning had a word from the Lord, and I think it just goes right along this morning with where we're going to be heading and what the, the sermon and service is going to be going. So I'm just going to read uh, Pastor Dave is our founding pastor, started the church in 1980 and is right up here on the front row. And he said, the nations of the world are coming to your door as a nation. They are bringing discouragement, drugs, destruction, and the demonic. Will you be ready to engage them? Not physically, but spiritually. Will you be ready to meet them with the power of the Holy Spirit? Will you be ready to bring them life and that more abundantly? Don't think it's strange that I am pouring out revival all over your land. It is for the purpose of encountering those coming to your shores. Be ready. Be filled. Seek me with all of your heart. But remember, remember, this reviving is not for you alone. It is for all coming to your door. And I believe that when we understand the word of God, when we understand what he does, we understand when he speaks, there is a purpose behind it. When Jesus walked the earth, he healed and restored. People were brought back to life. The disciples in the early church, God moved over and over. And every time people were brought to the Lord, people experienced his power. People were prepared for the thing that God had for them to do. And as God moves in our land and right here at Radiant Life Church, we believe it's going to be for the purpose of seeing more people come to know the Lord. And I love that at Radiant Life Church, we are, we say, multi-generational. That means we have young people in the house and more seasoned people in the house. And there's nothing better than a church like that. We're also a diverse church, which means we all don't look the same. We all didn't come from the same place or continent or country from all over the world. That's what we want to see. That's what the picture of the Bible is. That's what eternity is going to be like. And are we ready to see more? Because God's going to keep doing it. He's going to keep bringing people. And that's what we want. And this morning as we look at the word, I believe that word just so, can kind of percolate behind what God, uh, what we're going to be talking about. And are we ready? Are we ready to bring Jesus to the people around us? And if you're not, if you're like, I don't know, well, now's the time. Now's the time to get in, get ready, and to let's see what God does. Well, this morning as we already read, we're going to be looking in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, I think God really wants to speak something clearly to his church this morning. And so if you've never been to church, well, you get to be a kind of an inside meeting. And you can hear a little bit of maybe what Paul would have spoken to the, the early church and see what God would, would speak to you this morning. And we're going to fly through some of it and then just kind of sit and, and uh, let God move in other portions this morning. And the first few verses that we looked at today, I think we could just put it all together. We could, we could kind of uh, say, have you been raised to life in Christ? Have you given yourself to Christ? Because if so, our life should look different and should be changing all the time. We should look more and more like him. In those first few verses, we see it says, your mind will be set on things above, not on the earth. That's a big change. Not what I see and what I experience and what I feel, but Lord, what you have for me. We see that your life will be hidden in Christ, in God, in verse 3. I like the thought of that. When we set our things on the things above, we're hidden in him. And it doesn't mean that things don't happen around us, but we know the power of God is going to get us through. We're hidden in him. We walk in him. We experience him. Verse 4, you will know that Christ is your life. 
And truly, I think that line, that is so rich and so powerful because the question I would have for each of us here today, is Christ your life? Is Christ everything? Or is Christ Sunday morning from 11 o'clock to 12? And sometimes, Pastor Chris, okay, we actually changed the time. 11 to 12.10. We say 70 minutes now. And then I still can't do that. So it might be 80 minutes. You know, whatever. Is that our Christ time? Or is Christ my life? Is Christ everything? Or does Christ get parts of me? Is Christ all things? Or, yeah, most things. Is the word of God everything I need? Or do I really only want like 95% of the word of God in my life? And 5%, I would let somebody else do that part. I'm going to just go with the 95% I like. Like that is a huge thing. Because if Christ is your life, then you want all that you can get of him. You don't want a little. You don't want some. You don't want most. Is he your life? Have you been raised to life in Christ? And my challenge for us this morning is if you would not say Christ is your life, if you would not say I want every single part that I can get of the Lord, then today is the day, I don't know if I can say that, today's the day to get saved. Today's the day to say, Lord, I want you. I want all of you. I want every part of you. I don't want any of me messing up what you're doing. So Lord, I'm going to give you everything this morning. I'm going to commit fully to you. Lord, every part of me, I want to look like you. And as we continue on, uh, I think maybe even with that, when you've been raised up, everything in your life changes. That's the key. Everything changes when you've been raised up. So let's walk in that. But as we continue on here, it, it, Paul is not a kind of someone, I think, who beats around the bush. He just kind of goes right at it. And I think that's what he does here in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Right? That's, that's pretty, put it to death. Kill it. Let it be gone, let it be done. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. These things, most of us in the room, we'd be like, come on, 100%, let's get rid of these things. In our society, however, these things are almost all celebrated. It's like the opposite of the word of God comes forth. The opposite of what we would want and what we would want to show through the word of God is what happens. Sexual immorality. Uh, sexual impurity of any kind. You just, let's just boil it down. Impurity, a life fueled by improper motives. Things, I don't want any part of that stuff in my life. Passions, or you could say depraved passions. In our society, depraved mind, depraved passions are what is glorified, is what is pushed, is what we are supposed to accept. So when the word of God would say uh, depraved passions, let them not be a part of us, that goes directly against our cultural norm. It goes directly against the word of God, the principles of the word of God, who we were created to be. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, one man, one woman, the, the marriage, all of these things in our culture and society would say, no, that's not going to be anymore. That's not what we are going to be about. Evil desires, a lust for the sinful, covetousness, the sin of always wanting more. These things, and you know, sometimes specifically when I think of our cultural battles, there's a, a possible divide in the room where some don't even understand how the stuff that our culture would be pushing for, we don't even understand how it's possible. Like why? You know that there's another group of people in the room that are growing up, that are younger, that it is a battle to believe and to walk in that same direct, this isn't even something that should be talked about, let alone be 
real and be happening and be pushed. And there's a, a, a sometimes age gap or a, a where we're from gap or, or uh, you know, what society we're a part of that would say depraved passion should not be something. God created us man and woman, boys and girls. And if Disney can no longer say boys and girls because that would be offensive, what? Like most of us in the room can't even understand that. But there's another group of people that would say, well, this is just what it is. This is what our culture is. This is just where we are. And you know what I find interesting is it's always easy for us to say, yeah, their issues and their problems. But I love Paul because he didn't stop with the things that are, to most of us, we would say, this is obvious. And maybe younger people in the room would say, yeah, the, the, old, the seasoned people in the room, they just don't understand. They don't understand what we battle. They don't understand what we go through. Well, younger person, maybe. Listen to the second half of the list that we read just a few minutes ago. Anger. Ah, oh, man, Lord, anybody have a problem? You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want. But anybody have a problem with anger in the room? Or wrath, seeking the role of God, passing judgment on others? Oh, man, we just talked about that. We, we're good at that. We're good at that. their problem, their sin, their issue. Malice or ill will toward another. Maybe even desiring to injure or get revenge. Slander, speech, which is, uh, you know, slander, a real good thought would be gossip. When we start talking about somebody else, anybody struggle with just saying too much, things you shouldn't say? Ugh. Lord, why does that have to be in the list? Obscene talk, foul speech, uh, coarse humor, obscene gestures. Anybody laugh at the wrong things and get sucked into conversations that maybe aren't the best? Ah, that's like right here in the same list, in the same spot of scripture, and in the room, there's people that would say, well, this isn't that big a deal. And somebody else would say, this is horrible. And it would be the different for somebody else. And we can so quickly say, well, their sin is bad and my sin's not that big a deal. And I think Paul clearly is it put it to death, all of it to death. We don't have to fight about it, put it to death. The principles, the truths, the commands of the Bible, let's walk in them. Let's let them be everything. You know, in our home, we don't allow something that my parents, my, I think mom specifically, I heard her say hundreds of, it seems like thousands of times, but minced oaths. In fact, we used to have uh, productions here and people would say, gosh, and gosh was one that just would drive my mom nuts. I remember her running through the aisles. We don't say minced oaths in church or anywhere, but we don't say minced oaths. Is gosh a bad word? No, but gosh is a stand-in for another word and that uh, God that we wouldn't want to say because the Bible talks clearly about not taking the name of the Lord in vain. But even more here is talking about foul speech. And in our home, we say, Lord, I don't want even things that would lead us to foul speech to be used. So we don't use minced oaths. We don't use words that are replacements for other words that would be foul. And you know what we even try to go way beyond is do I, if I need that word, then probably that whole sentence or concept is not something I need to say anyways. So it's not about the word not being said, but it's about the sentence not being said before the word, right? And you start to say, oh, I don't need any of that stuff if I don't say those things. And it's not about legalism. It's not about, well, I can't say something. I might, I have to be sure everything's perfect. Because Paul, he talks about the grace of God so much. God is so good. But when my life lines up with him, then all of a sudden, I put to death the things in me that should not be there. 
I get rid of it. I don't want words that I, would, I use that aren't a big deal to replace other words. And I don't want words that I use to cover or to be a part of a sentence I shouldn't even be a part of. My mouth, my speech, the things of my day, we don't want it to be a part. It says, do not lie. And this word isn't only like a direct lie, but anything less than the truth is what it's being said. It could be easy. Well, that wasn't a lie. I just didn't say all the truth. That's a lie. That, that's what we could call that. It's a good word for it. It's a lie. And so often we, we work, well, it's not a big deal. I use a different word or I said it. No, did you tell the truth? Because if not, this word, what this word means is that would be a lie. And we've had uh, some kids over at our house last night. And what my daughter, uh, she was sitting there and there was a ant that all of a sudden was crawling like up her arm. And so I didn't tell her it was an ant, but I did say, hey, you have a bug on you, crawling on you. So she's like, ah, you know, it goes crazy. And then we were talking, and Azaliah, one of the girls that was at her house, she's like, you know, when we were younger, I'm sure it was not a few years ago, probably maybe like seven years or eight years, I, I would think, I don't know. Uh, she's like a teenager, 14, 15, whatever her age is. So I'm going to give her some grace. It had to be eight years ago or so. But she said, we had an ant and we kept it. We were going to keep it as a pet and it didn't last very long. It died. So they took this ant and they dug a hole in the backyard. Now, my question when I think of a hole is like you dug a hole. I assume like a little teeny like spoon size hole, but I don't know. I didn't go get into it. And they literally had a, a, a funeral for this ant and they like prayed and like they did the whole thing. And I was, I was thinking about it. It's like, that's so ridiculous. That is the opposite of me. In fact, this morning, uh, we were on the way to church, and I was driving, and this morning specifically, the birds out on our street, Crottinger and Taylor, they wanted to die. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. They just kept flying, not normally sideways, but like directly away from us. It's possible I killed more than one. I'm not sure, but I know I killed one because it hit the grill, bounced up, like face into the windshield. I can see it right now, and then over the car, it was like, buh, 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 buh. Like that bird did not survive. I feel, feel pretty confident. I use that as a teaching moment for all the kids that were in our car. When an animal that's small, maybe even big, comes jumping in front of your car, you do not, or flying in front of your car, you do not kill all the people in your car by swerving. You just plow through it. It just is the way it is. And if your windshield breaks or if it's a deer even, you don't run into the telephone pole to not hit the deer. Like, that's a bad choice. You just deal with it. It is what it is. So use it as it. But it made me think more about this ant, animals, death, some of these things. And in the spirit, when I think of our house, all winter, the office, we're going to have a uh, kind of a show everybody the office here in a few weeks or uh, this summer. Uh, as Pastor Dave's been remodeling, it's been great. It's all new now. But if you're like our house, there have been these bugs that look like lightning bugs that just are everywhere. They crawl under the door, even though it's like it's all new. I don't understand what's going on, but they crawl under their door. There's always bugs. And Dawn, our administrative assistant, she hates all of that. She's so clean. She's like this, you know, it's got to be, she now has this wand thing. Like she turns it on, a little fan, and it's like, and it like sucks them up. And she just sucks them up all over the place. But I was thinking ants and these bugs. I hope we're in Ohio, so we would never have things like mice or cockroaches or real good things that we, oh, just kidding. Oh, we, we might have some things like that. But you think about what do ants do and cockroaches and mice? They eat. 
What else do they do? They poop. That's what they do. So when you have mice or ants or the smallest thing to the flies, anybody, we have people at our house all summer long. If you want to come to our house, you can know in the summer there will be flies in our house because we have our doors open. We've got our screen doors open. And it, I mean, hopefully the screen shut, but there's just going to be, you know what flies do? They poop where they land. Did you know that if they poop where they land enough, you can then like see it? Isn't that great? If anybody else see this in their house or you're like, I'm never going to their house ever again because they don't poop in my house. And, and, you know, as I was really thinking about it, I was like, you know what we then let our children do? They crawl all over the ground where those little things have been crawling. You know what else happens when we leave things in our house? Anybody think about this? No one's going to sleep tonight. I'm sorry. I value sleep. But anybody have spiders in your house or all those things I just mentioned? And then we go to sleep. What do those things do? You think they stay where they were? Like, probably not. There's numbers, like how many spiders you eat at, while you sleep at night and stuff. I don't know if that's true, but, okay, did I hear a stop? Or, uh, yeah, like, this stuff we let in our life, in our house, in our spirit, way more important. We're like, it's not that big a deal. It's small. It's not that big a deal. I got rid of this stuff that's obvious. It's not that big of a deal. And maybe some older, I'm, I'm sorry, some more seasoned people in the room, you'd say, you know what? It's not that big a deal. You should have seen me before. And you know what I would say? You still have mice and cockroaches and ants pooping all over your spiritual life. And we cannot be a people who let that happen. And you know what? Young people in the room. Like it's, it's just hard. It's culture. The man and woman thing. It's different at school than it is at, at church or it was for you. 30. You know what the word of God would say? Kill it. Get rid of it. In my mind and my spirit, the truth is the truth. No matter what a teacher or culture or news or people or my government would say, the truth is truth. And I can't have even an ant that you think there's, I'll tell you what, you get enough ants crawling around your house, you'll start to see what ants do. And in my spiritual walk, Lord, I don't want to get rid of everything I can really see or everything that really matters. No, it all matters. And Paul is telling them, we have to get rid of it. And there's something we have to do, which is we need to have some funerals for some sin and garbage in our life. In fact, we need to be a people who say, you know what, God, I give you everything. And we might actually need to go to our house when we get home and take some stuff that should not be a part of our life anymore. And we might need to throw it out. Or we may actually need to have a, maybe like an actual funeral for some stuff. The sin of my life whether it's things that I don't even have to put in the ground, but I'm going to dig a hole and I'm going to, it's there. No more is that a part of my life. Or maybe I need to bury some CDs or some stuff or some pictures. Or maybe, real easy, I need to delete some apps on my phone. Maybe today I need to take some action, some step, and say I am going to have a funeral, put to death the thing that should not be a part of my life anymore. They, they do make babies too. That's right, and that's really good for this. What? You let little sin in your life and it more and more and we got to get it out. We don't want more of it. And you know, last week we had a, a baptism. You know what that symbolizes? Death to the old man, what God did, new life in Christ. And I'm not the same when I come out as when I went in. I'm not the same when I gave my life to Jesus before and now, which means it's all got to go. And my mind, my heart, my spirit, who I am, if it doesn't align with the power of the God of the universe who created you and made you and formed you, then it simply needs to be put to death. 
And there's no other way to say it. Paul makes it as clear as possible. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, your flesh, what is easy, what is just normal from your past. Put it to death. Get rid of it. Because only then can you experience God. Only then in the way he wants you to. And you know, it's impossible to entertain that which we have taken to the cemetery. You know, you don't get what's been put under the ground. You don't get them up and like prop them up in your house. I know that's probably a little much for some of you. But sometimes that's how we want to live. It's like, yeah, I don't have it, but it's not that big a deal. I'm just going to bring it in. I'm going to bring it into my home. I'm going to let it be a part of my life. No, we put it to death. It's buried, it's gone, and I am new in Christ Jesus. Have you taken your sin to the cemetery? Something that I think is valuable for us to understand is, why, why does it matter? Like, just in case you can't see it yourself, why does it matter? Verse 6 goes on. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, we don't like verses like this. Like, what? God, no, no, let me read exactly what it says so we can just be clear. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. I do not want immorality. I don't want bad passions. I don't want evil desires and covetousness and idolatry and impurity. I don't want it in my life because it says on, the wrath of, uh, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, though, clarifies what in us should be. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. You once walked in them. They used to be what you were about. They used to be who you are. But when you give your life to the Lord, the wrath of God, Jesus, covers us. He gives us grace. And we no longer are going to receive that wrath because we once walked in them. But when we're walking in the Lord, church, that means we need to once have walked in them back then which doesn't mean we continue to walk in them now, which means, Lord, you have to renew me. You have to make me new. My sin nature, my flesh needs to be less and less and less. And tomorrow I look more and more and more like you, more and more and more like what you are doing. In fact, I believe it so strongly. We need a fresh glimpse of the holiness of God to, rec- to actually to create a repulsive reaction to sin in our life. And that's my prayer in my life. Lord, I want to be repulsed by sin in my life. I want to literally, if he would do, I want to get sick when I walk in sin. I don't want sin to be something I can handle in my life. I don't want it to be, it's not that big. No, it's a huge deal. And I'm not going to let it be in my life. We are called to another level. We're called to a, a place with the Lord. The longer you're saved, the more you should reflect Jesus the more you should look like him and act like him and be like him because the more you understand him and know him and experience him and when you know him more, you can't handle that stuff anymore. You, I don't want it. And it's not legalism. It's not law. It's not all these commandments. We can just know them and do them. That's good. But I pray we don't follow the Lord because there's 10 commandments. I want to follow the Lord because he died for me and I know him and his heart for me and what value is what now is coming through me. And I first get a look at the word of God and say, Lord, I'm not quite there yet, but your word says it. So I'm just going to align with it. But later on, it's like, I don't even need, I, I don't know if I can say that. I want to be sure you hear that. We need the word, but I don't need the 10 commandments because I just want to honor my God. And if I'm honoring him, I'm not going to do that trash. I'm not going to kill people. That one's an obvious one, right? 
you know quickly some, but others we struggle with. So Lord, I need to know you and experience you and hear your heart so I look different and act different, so that my motives are different, who I am is different. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. No provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And there's something about getting in a place where no, the flesh is not what I'm going to live in. Young people, relationships, don't gratify your flesh. It's not going to help your future marriage. It's not going to help you figure out who you should marry or do. No, it's going to mess you up. Don't gratify the flesh. Put it to death. There's going to be a day when God will bless you with things that you desire. It's called after marriage. So wait and watch the blessing of God when we don't gratify the flesh. And just throw in, watch how much easier your relationship is with your spouse and with purity after if you walked in purity up until that moment. It's kind of obvious when we say it out loud, but somehow we don't do it. It's hard. What we say with our mouths, what we do, Lord Jesus, no gratifying the flesh. I'm not going to speak evil or ill will towards somebody. I'm not going to gossip and let my mouth run. I'm not going to because that's gratifying my flesh. And somehow we might feel good after a good conversation about something. Somehow we might feel like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm just, a, no, no, it's sin. So Lord, turn my heart to prayer towards that person. Turn my heart to intercession towards that person, but I'm not gonna dump on them. I'm not gonna talk about them. Lord, don't let anger, no, I'm not gonna let that be a part of who I am. So Lord, Lord, help me today be better than yesterday. I don't want anger. I don't wanna sin because I've gotten mad at someone. No, Lord, help me. Not gonna gratify the flesh. Ephesians 4:24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The new self. That's what we're called to. If you've known the Lord for the last 20 years and you don't look different than 20 years ago, today's the day to say, Lord, I'm gonna do better. And by better, I'm just going to submit to you and let your word become real and active in my life. That's what we're talking about. It's not your great power and your great, no, actually when you take off your great power, which none of us have that, and let God's power and God's righteousness, God, then we're going to start to be able to move forward in him. But as long as we strive, I can do it on my own. No, no, we can't. We need the power of God working through us. Church, a deep knowledge of Jesus is absolutely essential if you want to walk in him. You can't walk in him and not know him, which means the word must become real and powerful in your life. The word must become what you are. That's why Jesus is life. You must know him. You must experience him. The youngest person to the most seasoned person in the room, you must fall in love with Jesus. And if you have to do it again, because there's just been a gap, today is the day, Lord, give me more love for you. Let me experience you, Lord. Let me experience your heart more. It's what we're called to. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you're going to know. And we stop saying, it's okay. No, no, it's not. I know him. I know not only of him, but I, I have the word in me. I have relationship with him and I'm being transformed. Now I know what's good. 
I know what's pleasing. I know what's acceptable because I know him. He's good, church. He loves you. He's powerful. Get rid of the sin. Put it to death. Let it be gone. You know, sometimes I think you're like, well, how do I know if this is happening in my life? I think a real good barometer is verse 11. So we're closing. It says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and all. That's Christ is it. What, what does this mean? What, what could you look? You could say Greek or Jew, race. It doesn't matter where we come from. I love that we are multi-ethnic. We're a diverse church. We are from all over the world, all over um, mindsets and culture. It's awesome. That's what we want. That's what heaven is going to be like. But are we all there? Am I there every moment in every conversation? I don't know. Lord, help me never let those things, race, be something that, that holds me back. And if so, Lord, my, I, better, I better connect with you. I need to be more like you. The absence of religion, circumcision or uncircumcision. I want you to know, church, that I love good theological debate. I love a good talking. What's the, what's the word of God say? But you know what I have zero interest in? Is being mad at a brother or sister for something theological that doesn't have to do with getting to heaven. Doesn't have to do with Jesus as the only way. I'll tell you what, I'm good. I don't need that. Now, I have very strong beliefs on creation and on end times and obviously Pentecostal Holy Spirit and all these things. But if, if we're going to have a problem, why don't we focus on Jesus and let Jesus bring us together the religious part, even theological things that don't get us to heaven or not. I'm good. Let's let God lead. And God's going to bring us as a family closer and closer together, I believe, on those things as we hang out. But day one is not, a, or, or day 100 or 1,000 is not the day that I have to die on that hill. Well, you have to believe like, no, the word would say, Paul would say, circumcision or uncircumcision. That was huge. Circumcision in their day was a huge thing. And he's saying, who cares? That's, and there's things in our life, in our church, and maybe not ours, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of grace, I hope. But maybe in your heart or my heart, let's have some grace for some folks circumcision or not different things for us today we don't talk a lot about that that's not we i think we're good there lord jesus help us to be aligned to you and not anything else the absence of rank neither bond nor free the absence of resentment neither barbarian or scythian and those are huge like that was a astonishing comment by paul and why? Because these people, uh, barbarian, you would think of as just ignorant. I mean, that, that would be what they would have thought. Wait, you're going to put this ignorant group of people, it doesn't matter, and on the other side, Scythian would be violent. They're just murderous people. And Paul's like, even those you would call ignorant, those you would call uh, murderers and terrible, let's love those people, whoever those people are. And you know what's amazing in a room like this? Those people naturally, which is not God, but those people would be different for every person in the room. We think different. And God's saying, whoever are those people in your, in your life, in your mind, the old man, not anymore. And if you're walking in God, if you're walking and loving like God, race, religion, and being religious in the church, not talking about various religions, but religious in the church, resentment, rank, 
That's not how we live. That's not how we love, but we choose to walk in the Lord. And if that's what's being poured out of you is love for the people around you, love for your church, love beyond, then God is moving in your life and let's keep going after it. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of immorality. Take it to the cemetery. No, it matters how I live. It matters what I do. And know that God wants your life to look more like him. And have you allowed change into your life? Make Christ your all and let him in all of you. Not a little bit, not some ants, not a little bit of ant poop or mice poop gets worse. It goes only worse from there. Not a little bit of sin. Not a li- it's not that, no, it's a huge deal, church. And my life, more and more, Lord, I don't want anything and show me. I don't care how small it may seem in my, I don't want it in my life. I think sometimes we err. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be, uh, you know, like all of this stuff. I don't want law. and all. You know what? I think we talk ourselves into allowing stuff in our life that is absolutely sin issue because we say, eh, it doesn't really matter what I watch. Yeah, it does. What we allow in our spirit. It doesn't matter what I watch. Yeah, yeah. TV shows have huge power over us. It doesn't matter who my friends are. Yeah, yeah, it does. Are you sharpening iron and sharpening iron? Or are you just trying to hold on when you're with your friend group? It matters. It all matters. It's not legalistic stuff. It's, Lord, I want to honor you and please you and put to death the stuff in my life. And that means I can't hang out with those friends like that anymore. When I hang out with them, I'm a missionary on mission. That's what I have to be because I'm sharing Jesus with them. But I can't just go out to hang out. Because they're not going to honor God. And it's hard. But when we give our hearts and Jesus is our life, he'll guide and he'll direct. And I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to say it's not that bad. I don't want to say it's just a little bit downer. In my, no, no, if it's not the things of God, it's time to lay it down. Maybe literally have a funeral for that area in your spirit. Maybe literally dig a hole in your backyard and bury some stuff or put it in the trash and wave goodbye when the trash man comes. I don't know. Peace, like forever, you're done. Maybe it, you don't have to actually do something weird like that. You can just give it to God. But maybe that giving includes, I need an accountability partner to help, which means, Lord, would you give me strength to go and ask somebody, hey, could you keep me accountable? Could you help me? Because have you ever been weak? Oh, you're a human. You have. I have. We've all been weak. Lord, I need somebody to walk this with me. And something you've walked with for 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 years, you think it's going to be easy just to go away? Minus a miracle of God, you're going to have to walk a journey. You need somebody to walk that journey with you. So let's not be afraid to ask somebody to walk with us so we can experience Jesus as life. Not as a part of life, but as life. This word. Is it everything? Is it life? Because if not, it's time. Lord, let your word become everything to me. Let your truth become everything to me. Culture is not going to over or out trump your word ever in my life. Please, Lord, don't let it be. And if I ever walk that way, Lord, I give God permission in my life. If there's literally a two by four that smacks me upside the head, I'll know why. Because I pray, Lord, if I need it, smack me upside the head with a two by four. I don't want to go that way. 
I want to go where you have me to be. And if I get off track, Lord, put me back on track. This morning, wherever you are, my prayer is that you go home and you ask the Lord to make you new, to make you his, to make Jesus life. And we're not going to come to the altar today. I pray this week is your altar. I pray this week is a, Lord, if I need to get rid of, let's get rid of it. If that CD doesn't, or it doesn't need to be on my playlist anymore, I need to just, I don't care if we're 10 seasons into a show. If it's not good, just get rid of it. If what I watch, if it's not honoring God, maybe I shouldn't watch it. Lord, I don't want to hold on to things because I don't want to be legal. No, I want to honor you. And because I honor you, I'm going to get rid of anything that doesn't look like you. And then I'm going to love my world. The last thing I'm going to say this morning is, church, if we get in and we say yes, all these, and we start pointing fingers, then we completely miss the whole point. Right here, let God change you. Inside this church, we get to encourage each other. Outside of this church, we get to believe God for doors of opportunity. Not to get on a soapbox and preach or yell at somebody, but for conversations, for moments, for opportunities to pray. Not to call out someone's sin who's not a follower of Jesus. Of course they're in sin, but to love them and to bring them in. And when he gets a hold of their heart, then there'll be another discipleship journey on that side of salvation. That It'll look a little different. They're going to start to look more like him because they know him. But love must be where we flow from. And if not, Lord, let me love like you. Because you died for me. You died for me before I loved you. When I was still a sinner, you died for me. And Lord, let me love the world when they're still sinners, because that's what they are. Lord, make me new so I can love. So Lord, this morning we come before you, and maybe somebody in the room that has never given their life to you, Lord, if you're knocking on their heart's door, if they're feeling that call, Lord, I pray today they would just ask you, Lord, become the Lord of my life. I repent of my past. Forgive me of my sin, whatever words. But Lord, you are Lord. You are Savior. Lord, I pray that they would do that today, the most important decision in life. Bless them. And Lord, for every person in this room, Lord, would you help us? And maybe it's an ant-sized thing. Maybe it's something even smaller, Lord. We can't even see. We don't even know yet. Lord, would you reveal it to us? Because we don't want anything that leaves around destruction and death and sickness and disease. We don't want any of that in our life. Lord, we don't want sin to be left. But Lord, we want to look like you. We want you, Jesus, to be life and anywhere in us, in our lives. God, that you're not life. Lord, get rid of it, remove it, and reveal it to us. And then, Lord, let us serve you. Let us love like you. Let us make a difference this week because we're not thinking about us and what we can do and what we can get, but we're thinking, Lord, what do you want to move and how do you want to show up and how do you want to be revealed in us? Lord, we thank you. Bless this church. Lord, let them walk in you. Lord, let them not be held or bound by anything, but just simple. The God of the universe, you lead, you guide what you did before. Lord, you're going to do it again. You're going to help us. And we're thankful for your power, your presence, and your love that some, for some reason you pour out on us. You're so good. Let us walk in you this week, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, love you all. Be blessed this week. Walk in the power of the Lord. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus.